How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hi, it's David Locke, host of Lockdown NBA. A little different today. Ben DuBose is our host of Lockdown Rockets. He has been living through this incredible hurricane tropical storm. And I thought we'd just find out what a regular guy in Houston is experiencing. So that's the program today. It is Locked on NBA. Coming to you, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can just tell Alexa or your Google Home to play you the program Locked on NBA if you'd like to, or you can subscribe or download it through your Android or iTunes. This is today's edition of Locked on NBA, brought to you by SeatGeek with the promo code LOCKED. You can get $20 back on your first purchase. Let's find out what a regular guy in Houston is experiencing this week. You are Locked on the NBA, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. So joining us is Ben DuBose, who's the host of Locked on Rockets. And as I said just a moment ago, we're not going to do basketball, really. Uh, the hurricane, the tropical storm, Harvey has taken all of our hearts, our attention, our minds. And uh, I thought just a regular guy. Like, what's it like? What's going on? We'll speculate on some things. Uh, would be good. So, Ben, uh, you know, I'm glad to know you're all right. Uh Kind of like, are you stunned? Are you in shock? How? What? Where? Are you just surviving? Where are you in this process? I wish I could say that I was stunned, but it's actually the third major flood in uh, three years for Houston. There's some city planning issues that I'm sure we can get into, but uh, 2015, 2016, Memorial Day, Tax Day, they have been some major events in Houston. Actually, NBA fans remember the 2015 very well. It was actually the night of... Uh, Game four of the Western Conference Finals between the Warriors and the Rockets, and thousands of fans in Toyota Center ended up actually having to spend the night in the arena because it was so bad they couldn't leave. Dwight Howard, who was you know a superstar level player at the time, he couldn't get out, and so Houston unfortunately has had a lot of problems in recent years. This was the most widespread in terms of you know you just see these staggering rainfall totals of close to 50 inches in five days. You know a storm going stationary and barely moving. All that pretty rare and so whereas those prior events affected small you know I wouldn't say small but you know certain swaths of the metropolitan region whereas this impacted pretty much everybody uh so it's one of those things this was definitely worse but I wouldn't call it stunned because yeah Houston has these issues in the last three years we unfortunately become you know a lot more aware of those thankfully the weather folks did forecast it last week they were out in front of this and even though Houston did not get a direct hurricane hit it wasn't a traditional storm from the standpoint of getting 100 mile per hour winds of anything like that but the rainfall totals they projected ended up being stunningly accurate so it's one of those things i wouldn't say stunned because you knew going in that this was a possibility but to actually see it play out yeah you certainly just get into day-to-day survival mode pretty quickly so what has your day-to-day been well, the good news, the happy news for me, and I'm in much better shape than uh, many in Houston. I know I'm one of the fortunate ones. I did not have any long-term home damage. Water came very close to my house. Thankfully, got just enough of a lull in between the, the rain bands to let it recede. And ultimately, it's always about the rainfall rate. It's less about the total, you know, how many inches you get, and it's more how quickly does it come down. 
some of these were so severe out by Hobby Airport, they were literally getting nine and a half inches per hour at one point, which is just insane. But for me, the downfall, I live in a neighborhood, thankfully, that's not near any of the many bayous, rivers, creeks. You know, Houston's kind of an old swamp, basically concrete built over a swamp. So there's lots of old bodies of water. And of course, those are the first things to flood. I don't live in that. And so fortunately, that's how my house was able to remain dry. The downside of the neighborhood I do live in does have a lot of it, a little, I would say it's old and wooded. And there are some older trees that fall all too easily. So the first thunderstorms, the first major gust of wind on Friday evening, that knocked out my power. And we were without power for over five days. And we actually thought it would be a pretty simple, simple fix. It was just a matter of getting, you know, a tree crew to come out, remove the tree, and then the power folks would restore it. So on Saturday, before all hell broke loose, this was just, you know, the first couple inches of rain, while they were, while they were repairing power, I went over to my uh, in-laws, my wife's sister, in another part of town. We thought for a few hours we were just going to ride it out. Uh, they had some power and basically just used them for cable and Internet for a few hours and then go back home for the rest of the storm. Well, what ended up happening is that it, it piled up so quickly that we went over there. We thought for a few hours, and a few hours ended up being five days because everyone was – completely trapped. And even after early this week, even after the roads started to become in certain stretches of town somewhat passable, I there's no point to going home without power. So thankfully, I was one of the lucky ones, have in-laws in town, and they, you know, they put a, a roof over our head, um, you know, a bed, all that kinds of stuff, gave me cable and internet, so all the things you could hope for. So for me, relatively lucky, uh, you know, couldn't be home for five days, but at the same time, being without power for five or six days is a pretty small uh, lost in the grand scheme when you can when you compare it to so many people that are now without homes. So when you say you're one of the lucky ones, this is I I think I gotta be I gotta, let me make sure I, I'm gonna do a clarification on this question before I do it. Okay. So we you watch the news and obviously what's going to make the news is the most outrageous. Like there's sure. this the the click to Houston reporter on the raft i mean that guy's awesome i don't know who he is but he's awesome but that video is everywhere and it's incredible that's now is that everywhere is that an extreme so when you say i guess what i'm asking i'm just trying to get the regular person in houston when you say you're one of the lucky ones i understand you're being respectful to those that have really been crushed by this but if you take your 20 closest people you interact with how many of them are now without a house how many of them are without a, with a house but significantly damaged? How many of them are uh, have gone through life-changing traumatic experience? It's a lot higher than you would think. I would say out of, out of 20, it feels like I would guess at least five or six, if not more. I mean, it feels like, and this is among people that, that many times do not live in impoverished areas, you know, they did all the, they did all the right things. And I'll throw one example uh, out to you that I think the Rockets community and definitely the NBA community probably knows very well. Uh, there's a guy named David Weiner. I've had him on my show before. He's a salary cap guru. He goes by Bema Thog on Twitter, but in real life, he's a, he's a very successful attorney, very sharp guy. He's got a wife and a kid. And I actually went over to his house, uh, his new house, just a couple of months ago for an NBA draft party. He had us and a few other uh, folks in the Rockets community Craig Ackerman, I know, is a good friend of yours. He's also close with David. And David's very good at his job, incredibly nice man. And he moved into a new two-story house, beautiful place. I was stunned at how nice it was. Um, Just moved in a few months ago. 
And, you know, they did their digging as far as its history. It did not flood the past two years. And it was in a very kind of affluent part of town, 610, within a couple of miles of the Galleria, which I think most people that have been to Houston know that kind of area. So very well-to-do, did not flood the last two years. And yet somehow on Sunday, not only did his flood, he, his wife, and his uh, six-year-old son, I believe, were on top of the roof awaiting National Guard rescue and ended up getting rescued, I think, by the uh, the Houston Fire Department and then getting taken to the George R. Brown, like so many thousands of others. So it's been stunningly relatable. I mean, there are a lot of natural disasters where, you know, yes, the raw numbers are stunningly high, but then a lot of them end up, you know, maybe it's because there was some kind of economic issue with it that the houses were not ready to sustain. And this, you know, it wasn't biased towards just one economic class, one certain segment of population. It it was pretty widespread. And even people that did their homework, bought houses that didn't flood before, had things in the right part of town traditionally, many of them still ended up out of luck. So, you know, again, the good news is that I would say, you know, if I say five of six out of 20 are greatly impacted, the good news is that there's still 13 or 14 out of 20 that aren't. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people that have ended up fine. And of course, that's enabling volunteer efforts, restoration, all that sort of stuff. And that's good. But yeah, when you think about 25 to 30 percent, and that's just me guessing here, but with a metropolitan area with over 6 million people, it's a staggering number. And then that's not even getting into the rest of the Texas Gulf Coast, down towards Corpus Christi, where it made landfall. And of course, up all the way up to Beaumont, which also suffered a lot of flooding. If you wanted to go somewhere right now, can you go some? Can you go where you want? No, uh, very small subsets. And I'm going to tell you just an anecdotal uh, personal story for me that sums it up how ridiculous this is. So my wife and I, we live in, um, we live in West Houston. And uh, of course, we, have, we just got power back yesterday. So we've just in the past 24 hours gotten back uh, to, our, to our house. My mom actually, um, she's been sick, a minor infection. The good news, she's healthy now. That cleared up. But she had to go to the hospital in Houston last week. Well, since, mon- uh, since Sunday, excuse me, she's been fully healthy and cleared to go. This is at Methodist Hospital, one of the main, one of the biggest hospitals in the country. She's been cleared to go fully healthy, except there's nowhere for her to go. They can't turn her out on the street because, of course, she can't go home to Beaumont. They've actually flooded in some areas worse than Houston. And if you follow the news today, Beaumont now has um, basically no water no tap water because the damages their pump system took. So she can't go there. That's where she's from. It's a town about 100 miles east of Houston. Uh, so she can't go there. We weren't able to take her in, my wife and I, because you know we weren't even home. We didn't have power. We were essentially uh, evacuees ourselves for five days. And you know I, we would have paid for her to, we would have paid for a hotel for her, but that wouldn't have worked either because where are you going to get food? Because all the you know, even grocery stores were completely shut down. So finally, the good news, it's receded enough to where I could actually get to the hospital. You know, we took her in today. And I would say, honestly, we're probably keeping her indefinitely because the 100-mile stretch of freeway from Houston to Beaumont, it's about, you know, 100 miles by 10 on the upper Texas Gulf Coast. At least 50 of it is closed due to water. It's a staggering number. There are small subsets of Houston, like where I am, they're lucky enough. You know, I live close to Westheimer, and there's, you know, two, three miles where a lot of businesses are coming back. And so, you know, if you stay within your neighborhood, there are certain two to three mile stretches here and there that 
you know, that you can get to things. But the problem with Houston, there's so much water everywhere. It's built over a swamp. There's so much, you know, bayous, creeks, rivers, et cetera, that really to get anywhere of substance, i.e. more than two or three miles, eventually you're going to have to cross some body of water and be it a big body or a small body. All of those are flooded, still flooded, even though the last two days it's been sunny, no rain, 90 degrees these areas are still flooding. So it's just, a, it's just a staggering amount of devastation when you look at uh, the area as a whole and, it, yeah, as you said, trying to get around. So do you have any idea if, the, if and when the water subsides, I guess the water has to at some point, subsides, goes away, like would you yeah. still be able to drive into downtown? Eventually, will people be yeah, able to you- drive into downtown? Yeah, when, when it subsides, they'll, they'll be able to. I mean, when you're talking about – the roadways, you know, I would say within a week to 10 days, all of that's going to be drivable before. And, you know, you look back at some of these photos from Tropical Storm Allison. That was back in 2001. That was the previous kind of high water event for Houston. These freeways near downtown, which is right near Toyota Center where the Rockets play, Minute Maid Park, the Astros, you know, they were buried under almost as much water as the pictures you've seen this week. And generally, with a few exceptions, the roadways bounce back pretty quickly. The infrastructure will be fine. Part of it, Houston is so Houston, knowing its bayou situation, Houston specifically designs it so that the roadways flood so that the structures do not. So basically, a lot of the roadways look kind of comical and exaggerated, and that's by design because you know, generally those bounce back quickly. And so the city planners, developers, you know, they want that water in the roadway so that it's not in the home. But in this case, it's just been so widespread that, you know, yeah, it's not just the roadways, it's the homes as well. So I would say from an infrastructure standpoint, you know, within a week or two, you'll be able to drive around, get to most of the places that you want to go. Unfortunately, it's the many folks with, you know, water in their homes. That's what you're looking at months and months of, restoration rather than you know the week or two that it's going to take for the roads what is the conversation amongst you and your friends really that flood insurance is a necessity it's not an option if you live down here that's what i keep coming to more than anything else now the conversation might be different if me or one of my close friends had had catastrophic damage ourselves fortunately but going forward, you know, as I said with the example of David, it could easily be, it could easily be you. This is not a matter of, well, if you have a decent home in a decent area, as I said, I don't live nearby you, that you, know, you can get out of it. It can happen to anyone at any time, and you just have to be ready for it. And the thing with Houston, to keep in mind, there are so many positives to it. It's growing so fast in the next uh, five years, it's supposed to pass Chicago to be the third largest uh, United States city. It's incredibly diverse, the most diverse city in America. It's fairly progressive. Jobs are great. It's got the best medical facilities in the country, maybe in the world. There are so many great things about Houston. There's the local economy. Jobs are pretty good. There are so many things that Houston has going for it. And so in turn, it's growing very quickly. But the problem with that, the reason that folks continue to come to Houston, the reason that so many of these industries thrive, it is more cost efficient relative to most other major American cities. Because, yeah, you look at the other three cities I mentioned before, New York, L.A., Chicago, those are the, you know, the three of the other four besides Houston in that top four list. There's a reason it costs less to live in Houston than those places. There's a reason it's more cost efficient to buy a home, to build a business in Houston than those other cities. And that's because the land of Houston 
it's fundamentally flawed. It's basically a concrete swamp. That's what it comes down to. It's an area we basically just put all this concrete over what used to be just a swampy area with lots of bayous, rivers, creeks, and that inherently brings a ton of flooding danger. And Houston's had a lot of major floods throughout its history. So it's one of those things people fixate on the good, which is that Houston is, you know, it's a thriving place, especially to do business. And it's becoming very popular for young people as well. And so all of that's good. But the bottom line is all of these success stories, they come back to two words, cost efficiency. And the reason it's cost efficiency is that the land around here has some fundamental flaws, primarily that it's very prone to flooding. And it's only gotten worse in the last 10 to 20 years because Houston is growing so quickly. Every single time you get a new concrete building, every single time you get a new subdivision of homes, yeah, it's great for the local economy, but it's also making even less room for water to go. It's making the drainage problem even worse. And so there are small things you can do for that. Certainly there are building codes that architects have that can certainly help to some degree with it. But when you look at just the sheer volume of people in the Houston metro area and and the amount of water that's around here and the fact that being on the Gulf Coast, it's the rainiest major city in the U.S., averages more than 50 inches of rain in a normal year, which is a lot. And then you can, of course, compare it to some areas getting close to 50 inches in the past five days, which puts into perspective how ridiculous it is. But, um, yeah, when you live down here, Unfortunately, flooding is just a way of life. As I said, it's three major events in the past three years. And so when you look at it in that context, flood insurance, it's staggering how many people don't have it. In the inland counties in Texas, which Harris is, Harris County is the biggest county in the country. That's where Houston is. It's close to the coast, but it's 50 miles inland. It's staggering, these inland counties, how few people have it. There was a graphic on Twitter showing it, inland counties that have flood insurance in Texas. It's below 50% across the board. Some are as low as like 20 25%. And in reality, it's a pretty small price. Like my wife and I, I think our policy is like 450 bucks a year. If you live in you know a true flood zone, it might be a little more than that, you know, 1,000, 2,000, something like that. But in the grand scheme, that's a pretty small price to pay to, you know, give yourself some peace of mind that you're not going to be that person just waking up with catastrophic damage one day and really just having to gut and redo your entire home, your entire possessions, all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I keep coming back to is that there are so many people with these major damages that do not have flood insurance. And when you live around here, unfortunately, just the geography, the way all of this goes, I think flooding is just, you know, you kind of have to accept it as an occupational hazard, a risk here in Houston. It's been that way. It's only getting worse. And so you just have to prepare yourself. Certainly, you want to do what you can on the environmental side in terms of building the city. But really, when you look at just this sheer volume of people and this much industry, this many homes, then in the grand scheme, you just need to accept that, yes, it can happen to you. And if you don't have flood insurance now, get it, because that's really the only way to prevent it from becoming a catastrophic thing. Because really, even though I didn't have it happen to me this time, I know very well that with a little bit worse luck with, you know, the rain, literally probably one more hour of intense rainfall, and it would have been in my house. So, you know, there's nothing you can really do to protect your house short of, you know, getting those insurance policies and doing everything you can to make sure that if it happens, that while it's a huge logistical pain, it doesn't have to be a catastrophic life altering thing. Final two questions for you. 
your most sure. common emotion you've had over the last three days? Whew, that is a that, that is a good question. Um, I would say fatigue. It's it, it, it's one of those things. It never ends, David. It, it it really doesn't. For the longest time, you know, uh, uh, of course, Saturday and Sunday nights, it's tough to sleep well when, well, A, it's storming like crazy outside, but B, you're constantly looking at the radar thinking, is this the band that's going to, you know, basically destroy my house and lead to this huge logistical uh, nightmare over the next four months, figuring out where you're going to live, that sort of stuff. And, of course, then after that, trying to figure out when, we're going to get power when we can go back home, what I can do about my mom who's in the hospital, but can't leave the hospital because of all the infrastructure stuff. And, you know, finally, all those things have been addressed. Finally, after five days, you know, my personal situation is stable. And then, then there's the matter of it's finally now easier to take in what's really happened. And there are so many people need needing help. So many shelters, so many, um, causes that need my support either financially money uh time in terms of being a volunteer all those sorts of things and of course you know i'm a native houstonian i love it here i want to help as much as i can and it's just one of those it it never ends and you know of course you're not going to let it beat you in this case you know since i did not suffer any direct damage myself you know i'm certainly not going to be the guy to say no i'm tired i'm not going to do anything no i'm going to do what I can. I donate to charities. I'm going to look to volunteer, all that kind of stuff. But it's just, it's like peeling back layers of the onion. And so more than anything else, the word I keep going back to is fatigue, because we had so many things ourselves to worry about with, you know, first our house, then the then the power, then the situation with getting my mom out of the hospital. Now, in addition to that, we got to figure out some way to transport her 100 miles, ideally in the next week or so. We'll see how the roads go. But you know, even once all of that's done, then there's the sense of civic responsibility that, hey, you know, since we're the lucky ones, then it's partly on us to try and give back to the Houston community, the folks that were not as fortunate as we are, and do what we can from a financial standpoint, volunteering, whatever the needs may be, to help those other people. So it's just like, you know, we each have our own personal situations, but it's like, you know, you put out one fire, and then there's something else. It's just such, it's just so all-encompassing, and the impacts are so wide that I would say more than anything, it's just fatigue. It's tough to even it's tough to even fully process it right now, David, because it, you know as soon as you deal with one crisis, then there's something else. And I'm sure there's going to be a time in two or three months, maybe when things settle down and you can really, you know, think of the magnitude of all that's happened and all the devastation. But right now, I can't even get to it. It's just basically getting from you know from one crisis to the next and so more than anything else it's just overall fatigue because you know there's just so much to do to rebuild you know not just our own personal lives but to you know do what we can to rebuild the broader houston community as well final question we're we'll actually sneak in a semi-mba question here so we're sitting here basically september one so we're talking six weeks and there's an nba game in houston yeah when I come into town in nine weeks, I think. So when people come into town to Houston in six weeks, when I come in in nine weeks, and when people come in in January, will they notice? I think so. Um, especially because Houston's so widespread that I don't 
I don't think you can get many places without going by, you know, a lot of the devastation. So it's one of those things, yeah, I think it's going to stand out for a while, especially the next few months, maybe by January, you see a lot of progress. Now, of course, the major areas, Minute Maid Park, Toyota Center, those are going to be fine. The mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, who's actually done a great job through this, uh, he was actually influential. There was a time a few days ago, folks were wondering if the Texans, who opened their season on Sunday, September 10th, would be able, you know, if the region would be ready for that. And that's, you know, two weeks after NRG Park is now being actually used as a uh, shelter for some of the um, evacuees. But, um yeah, he came out yesterday and said, hey, I think the Astros should play here this weekend. And they're going to do that because he thinks that that's a big part, you know, sports bringing back normalcy. And so those areas, downtown, not just Minute Maid Park, Toyota Center, but also, you know, the businesses near there, those are going to get the initial treatment, this initial wave. A lot of them didn't necessarily suffer major damage, but those that did, the city wants to put out, you know, they want to get back to normalcy as quickly as possible. So I think from a superficial standpoint, you can get to a lot of the major venues, things in Houston, and you know, within two or three weeks, I don't think it will feel that different just in terms of you going to an Astros game or a Rockets game or something like that. However, you know, the thing we all know about Houston, it's very large in terms of its area. You have to drive around to get places. It's not you know, a Boston in which everything is within five or six square miles, so to speak. And this was so widespread that, well, yeah, the, you know, the tourism spots are going to get the initial touch-ups to where you may not be able to see downtown just how bad it is. At the same time, the amount of damage in just the overall Houston community, particularly the homes, yeah, I think, I think you're going to notice it a lot because there's just going to be so many homes that, quite frankly, David, are just empty. That's the best way to put it because, you know, some of them will try to move back, but it's going to take many months, in some cases longer, depending on financial situations, whether they had flood insurance, et cetera. You know, it, it could take a very long time. And so what's going to end up happening is a lot of these neighborhoods and many of them very close to the heart of Houston, where you're used to having, you know, all this life, you know, you drive by, you see all these kids playing, all these lights, and there's just going to be relatively dark because those people just aren't there and they can't be there for many months until, you know, 50 million contractors come and do all sorts of things to repair the damage. And uh, so, yeah, I I would say for some time you're going to notice it. Maybe not from a traditional standpoint. It's not like the tourism things, the sports, the the baseball, the basketball are going to be impacted. Those things are still going to be there. And there's enough, there's enough of us uh, lucky ones in Houston, such as myself that, We'll still be able to, you know, support that industry and have some fun. But, yeah, for some time, I think you drive around and you'll see that the, uh, you, you know, the heartbeat of the community, the the people itself, there's a big difference. You're just going to have a certain void that I think is unfortunately going to take uh, months, not weeks, to refill. Ben, we look forward to when you get to talk basketball again. I know you have some things lined up for the show on Locked on Rockets for the people of Houston as well. Thank yep. you very much for your time today, some insight on just kind of the regular person in Houston and what they're experiencing. Sure thing. Thank you, David. Special thanks to Ben for that insight of just a regular guy in Houston, what he's expecting. Remember, you are uh, can, should consider, or it would be great if you would, uh, donate to uh, any of the hurricane relief 
I have not researched what the best way to do it is, so I don't want to give an endorsement or a suggestion. Uh, today's show, as I mentioned at the top, I thought it was inappropriate to interrupt at any point, is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the place I use to get tickets to upcoming events, whether it's theater, uh, whether it's a ball game, whether it's a foot- college football game, pro football game, upcoming NBA game, and here's why. Number one reason is because they compile all the tickets from all the different sources in one place for you, which is great. Number two, they give it a ticket score. That ticket score lets you know which are the best values inside the marketplace and inside that arena. And number three, it's guaranteed and sent to your phone right away. The promo code LOCKED. You download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, enter the promo code LOCKED. And when you do that, you will be given a $20 rebate on your first purchase. Make sure you check out the price alerts as well. I use that for upcoming events that I'm interested in going to see. If there's a big ball game like Stanford coming to play Utah, for example, for me, I keep an eye on the price alerts on that. It's SeatGeek. Download the app and use the promo code LOCK to get $20 back on your first purchase. Special thanks to Ben. Special thanks to you guys for taking a moment away from the NBA. I thought it was a better way to spend the day. And regular NBA stuff will circle back uh, for you all. This has been Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance elections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season refers to 927 to 1018.